Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Hard to believe that it's already been 10 years that uh, God has been working in Bastrop through the North Monroe ministry. One of our dreams was to bring the North Monroe style ministry into other areas, but we didn't want to do what churches often do, and that is to look for some expanding, growing area that probably doesn't even need another church, but to uh, go to a place where people are hurting and uh, where we could potentially make a difference in that area, and that led us to Bastrop. Been a rough road, but man, God is doing things. We're seeing revival there just as we do here. They're baptizing people every week these days, and uh, just great stories coming out of that. We need to continue to pray for them. So 10 years, I got my 10-year t-shirt on, and uh, we're looking forward to 10 more, 20 more, however many it takes before Jesus comes back, okay? Uh, Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for um, just reminding us that it's not about us and that it's not about our personal experience, but the kingdom of heaven is broad and big, and you know, it may come begin as a mustard seed, but it grows into this massive, beautiful tree, and Bastrop's a part of that branch. And, you know, Joey just getting back from Rwanda and training pastors there in 6,000 churches, and just the incredible story that, that uh, you're doing in so many different regions. We pray for Bastrop. God, I pray that that church would just continue to be a light to that community, and that uh, we would just continue to hear that people's lives are being put back together and they're being healed because Jesus is being glorified. And that's our desire in Jesus' name. Amen. It's an incredible story of personal courage. Went like this. One summer morning, Ray Blankenship was preparing his breakfast. He gazed out the window and saw a small girl being swept along in a rain-flooded drainage ditch beside his Andover, Ohio home. Blankenship knew that farther downstream, the ditch disappeared with a roar underneath a road and then emptied into a main culvert. So he dashed out the door, raced along the ditch, trying to get ahead of the floundering child. Then he hurled himself into the deep, churning water. Blankenship surfaced and was able to grab the child's arm. They tumbled end over end without, within about three feet of the yawning culvert, raised freehand, felt something, possibly a rock protruding from one bank. He clung desperately, but the tremendous force of the water tried to tear him and the child away. If I can just hang on until help comes, he thought. But he did better than that. By the time the fire department rescuers arrived, Blankenship had pulled the girl to safety. Both were treated for shock. On April the 12th, 1989, Ray Blankenship was awarded the Coast Guard's Silver Life Saving Medal. The award is fitting, for this selfless person was even at even greater risk to himself than most people knew. And here's what Paul Harvey called the rest of that story. Ray Blankenship couldn't swim. That's courage. And I often read stories like that, and I think of myself in that situation. If I'm put into that situation, there's a drowning girl in a a rapid uh, stream, I can't swim. What do I do? And I hope 
that throughout my life that I would respond with that kind of courage because I really believe that courage should be one of the hallmarks of our faith. We're called to courage. You and I are called to courage. You don't hear much talk about that anymore. People don't really seem to talk about being strong and courageous. I was reading through uh, the book of Joshua in my quiet time, and I come across that familiar passage in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, be strong and courageous. And I'm thinking about Joshua, and I'm thinking about his calling. You know, he's about to replace Moses, who is the charismatic founding leader of this nation of Israel. They had been enslaved to the Egyptian pharaohs, and Moses goes in, 10 plagues of Egypt, brings them out, the army's chasing them, parts the Red Sea, they move into the wilderness, and in the wilderness, God provides manna for them to eat, and He's guided them successfully for 40 years, keeping all of these people alive and healthy. And now Moses can't go into the promised land because of a judgment that God had on his life. And Joshua's the next guy up. So Joshua is the new leader of Israel. And, you know, all of his life, God had prepared him for that. So that must have been a euphoric moment for him. One of those defining times where he's finally reached that pinnacle of that new position that is going to allow him to utilize his giftedness and strengths. But it must have been at the same time completely terrifying because I think about that and I think, who wants to be the next pastor after Moses? I mean, I don't. I don't want to be that next guy because what are they going to say? Every time something doesn't go quite right, what are the people going to say? Well, that's not how Moses would have done it, right? Or they're going to say, you know, I just really long for the days when we had great leadership like Moses. And here's old Joshua doing his very best, and he's just not Moses. You know what's interesting is they said the same thing about Moses. These people griped and complained and made life difficult for Moses the whole time. You know, one time they said, we wish we were back in Egypt, you know, enjoying the leeks and onions by the Nile, those lazy, hazy, crazy days of Egypt. And Moses is like, what are you talking about, man? You were slaves. But that's how people are, and that's how their memory worked. And so I'm thinking, what in the world was Joshua really facing? And more importantly, what did he need most? And the answer is in the text. Let me just say this. When you read the Bible, you want to look for things that stand out. I I talked to my uh, classes in seminary and preaching and uh, exposition about this sometimes. I'm like, look, when you're reading it, you're looking for things that stand out. For example, here's here's some illustrations. Look for things that are true to life. When you read that story, you say, you know, That's true to my experience as well. Look for things that are emphasized. Look for things that are related. They may be related in opposition. They may be related in similarity. But you're looking for things that are related. But here's a big one. Look for things that are repeated. Because when God wanted to make a point, he repeated himself. In fact, Churchill said, if you have an important point to make, don't try to be subtle or clever. Use a pile driver, hit the point once, then cut back around, hit it again, then hit a third time, a tremendous whack. And we see this throughout the Bible. When God wanted to make a point, he would repeat himself, and you would see these repeated phrases, these repeated ideas. And nowhere is that clearer than in the uh, commissioning of Joshua. It really started... In Deuteronomy 31, verse 7, 
Moses is talking to him, and Moses is the first to say it. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous. There it is. Underline that. Circle it. Emphasize it. For you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. So he's going to lead them into the promised land. And you shall give it to them as an inheritance. Then God speaks to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. God told him this. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and from this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. But look at this, verse 6, be strong and courageous. And then as if to add emphasis in verse 7, he says, only be strong. And this time he says, very courageous. But you keep reading. God says it a third time, Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. He just keeps saying it. You know, when my son Andrew was playing Little League Baseball, I used to sit right behind home plate so I could help him you know, as a dad. And he'd come up to bat and I, I would have all kinds of great advice, you know, like, okay, Andrew, watch the ball. No kid ever thinks that, you know, when they come to bat. So I got to remind him, watch the ball, stay on your back foot, get ready, get loaded, load up, get ready, watch the ball. And one time, I kid you not, he's about nine years old. He stops what he's doing and he turns around and he said, he steps out of the batter's box. He said, a minute. He looks at me and he says, dad, I got it. <laughs> I got it. I'm like, okay, okay, you got it, you got it. <laughs> Watch the ball, you know. I feel like Joshua wants to say that to God. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Hey, Lord, Lord, I got it. Strong and courageous. Check mark for Monday. I got it. But then, Moses, then Joshua goes and he begins to talk to the people. He calls all the leaders together. He's got this great speech, you know. In three days, we're going into the promised land and we're going to battle the people of the promised land. You're going to fight for your promise. And I got to remind you, all of you, some of you have said, we want to keep the land on this side of the Jordan, but everybody goes, everybody fights. I mean, I'm picturing Braveheart, right? Right before the battle. He's got his face painted blue. He's going, you know, uh, uh, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our liberty. And the whole crowd roars at Joshua's great speech. But that's not what they did. Instead of the cheers, they offered a veiled threat. Uh, verse Joshua 1, 16. They answered Joshua saying, all that you've commanded us, we'll do. And wherever you send us, we'll go. <clears throat> verse 17, I love this. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. And I'm like, good grief, they almost never obeyed Moses. That's not much of a promise. But then look at that next line, because here's the threat. Only may the Lord your God, notice that, be with you 
as he was with my, okay, here it is. Yeah, we'll follow you with all the devotion and passion with which we followed Moses, which was very little. Only you better be sure every time you make a decision and every time you make a call and every time we get into a difficult situation, you better be sure that God's with you the way he was with Moses and the implied was or else. Verse 18, anybody who rebels against your command does not obey your words, and all that you command him shall be put to death. Oh, and one more thing. Here we go. This is from the people. Only be strong and courageous. If repetition emphasizes importance, then courage is extremely important. And I think you can't walk with Christ without courage. I don't think it's possible. It takes courage to stand alone. It takes courage to do the right thing when everybody else wants to do the wrong thing. It takes courage to to speak the truth when other people are speaking lies. It takes courage to be real and to admit your sin and to confess your sin to the Father when other people hear that and other people realize that you don't have it all together. That takes real courage. It takes courage to share your faith. You can't walk with Jesus without courage. And so we need that courage. Well, let's start with this. What does strong and courageous look like? I mean, if we're called to be strong and courageous, what's it going to look like? Let me start with what it's not, okay? Courage is not false confidence. There are a few things more dangerous than false confidence. Brand Hansen told this story, and he made a great point. He said, once I forgot my keys in a church building, just as a group of us were getting ready to leave, Losing stuff's a lifestyle for me, so I was kind of proud that I remembered I'd left them down the hall and upstairs in the kitchen area. It was dimly lit, but as I was gracefully running down the hallway, I saw a post in the middle. I avoided it deftly and ran to the left side before athletically darting up the stairs, grabbing the keys, crisply pivoting, bounding confidently back down the stairs, and sprinting effortlessly down the hallway and then slammed smartly my entire body into a plate glass wall. It shattered with my face. Apparently, the other side of the post had glass from ceiling to floor. It was reinforced with mesh wire, so I didn't make it through. I just full sprint shook the entire building. He said, in the emergency room, I remember thinking, you know, I was 100% sure there was nothing there. And he said this, I was completely convinced the hallway was clear. Here's his point. It's funny how reality didn't change to fit my interpretation of things. I love that. Reality does not change to make my false confidence, uh, to make room for my false confidence. And that means my false confidence is a very dangerous thing. You know, we, we need to be courageous, but there's a fine line between fearlessness and foolishness. I watch these videos of these guys in wingsuits who jump off of the side of a mountain and fly their wingsuit, and it seems like they get as close to the treetops and as close to the other, the other rocks as they can possibly get. And then I, I wonder about the life expectancy of a wingsuit guy. Can't be very high. You know, you'll see these people do extraordinary things. They'll climb to the top of a tower and stand on the very top just so they can take a selfie with a selfie pole. And it seems like about weekly, you read about somebody falling off. 
There's a fine line, you know, and some of you guys are fearless, and there's a fine line between being fearless and being foolish. Guard against false confidence. Stay wise. Stay humble. Stay teachable. Foresee outcomes. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. So courage is not false confidence. Courage is not the absence of fear. Some people think that courageous people are fearless. Most of them are not. Uh, Mark Twain said, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. Eddie Rickenbacker, the famous World War I airplane pilot said, courage is doing what you're afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you're scared. You see, you can be filled with fear, and this is the good news for those of us who are not fearless. You can be filled with fear and still act courageously. I need to hear that because 90% of the time when I'm called to do something, there's fear in me. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving forward despite the fear. Tim Hansel said, you can't help the butterflies in your stomach, but he said, what you've got to do is teach the butterflies to fly in formation. And that's really what real courage is. Here it is, the bottom line. Courage is a choice. It's a cho- Maybe you never thought of it that way. Maybe you always thought that courage was for courageous people, somebody else. Courage is a choice. That word translated in the in, in Joshua 1, for strong is kadzak in the, uh, in the original Hebrew, and it means powerful, but it means more than that. It means to grow or to become strong or powerful. There's a process involved in that. It's not just that you're born inherently with it. The word courageous is similarly rooted. It's, it's amet, and it means to be made stout or bold or determined. And you realize when you look at the construction of this in the Hebrew that it, there all of these words are in the imperative tense. In other words, it's something that you're called to do, not something something that you naturally are. If courage was something that's naturally gifted, then God wouldn't call all of us to it. But the fact of the matter is, courage is a choice. It's something you choose. Now, there's a New Testament equivalent to this. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. So let's pull that out. Uh, this is the New Living Standard. It says, be on guard, stand firm in your faith, Be courageous. There it is. Be strong. Strong and courageous. You see that? Um, Now, that's the New Living Translation. And people often ask me, they say, what translation should you use? And I often refer them to the New Living because it's easy to read. But if you're looking for the most accurate translation, you know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, New Testament was written in Greek. The most accurate translation is the New American Standard. Because the New American Standard believes what's called the plenary verbal inspiration model, which means every word is divinely inspired. And so they translate it word for word. The New International uh, believes in a dynamic inspiration theory, and that means ideas are translated idea to idea. So the most accurate word for word translation is New American. And there's a nuance here that you miss in the New Living. I wanted to go back in the New American Standard and pick up. Look what he says. Be on the alert, same verse. Stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Act like men? I'm like, wait, what? That, you know, can you, can you say that these days? I mean, what does that even mean to act like a man? Act like men. I mean, there's been such a war on masculinity that, you know, we're not even sure we should act like men. 
right? Oh, you know, I read recently that, that Barbie was going to make the Ken doll less muscular. I'm like, I thought he already was. You know, when I was a kid, we didn't want Ken. We wanted to be G.I. Joe. Forget Ken. But there's been this whole movement away from any sort of concept of masculinity. But this idea is right there embedded in the truth of the Scripture. And the word is andros. It's the word that's often translated husband. It's a masculine form of that. But it doesn't mean be more manly. That's not what it means. Because this is something that both men and women are called to do. So if I had to translate it in the Bill Dye Modern, I would say, here it is, man up. That's what he's saying. Man up. And so I'll take a step back and I go, what does man up, what, what does that do for you? What does it mean to man up? And here's where I land on it. It means a lot of things. Here's where I land. I think man up has at its core the idea, do your duty. Do what's required. Man up. Now, I was watching Amy's chickens the other day. She lets them out in the backyard, and they're all roaming around. Um, my neighbor's got a new dog. It's a Labradoodle. It's named Royce. Big, dumb, goofy dog. He comes running over. When he runs, that's what he looks like. Hey, everybody, I'm here. You know, that's, that's Royce. And uh, Royce is attracted to chickens. They're curious. He doesn't eat them or anything. There are a few of our chickens missing tail feathers because he likes to chase them. Well, one day he comes running over. We don't have any fences. And he comes running over. Here comes Royce. And I look up and the rooster is sprinting to get between those hens and that dog. And that rooster gets as big as he can get. And he's a bantam rooster, so he's a small rooster. And he gets as big as he can, and he comes sideways at that dog. That's how roosters do. When they're after you, they come sideways. That dog could eat that rooster in two bites. No question. The battle would not last a second. But for some reason, the rooster spooked the dog, and he ran home. Was that rooster fearless? Nope. Right after all that happened, he went back into the chicken coop and didn't come out the rest of the day. <laughs> I think Amy had to find a chicken volume and give it to him just so he could survive. He was traumatized. But in that moment, he was courageous. He manned up. He did what he had to do. He did his duty. And that's something nobody ever talks about anymore. But that's what real courage is. It's that choice that you make when, you're, when your fears are overwhelming. You move counter to that fear and you say, I'm going to do what I'm called to do, what I have to do in this moment, regardless of the outcome, even regardless of my life. That's what courage is. Where do I find that? Where do I find the strength of courage? I think we find it in two ways. I think we find it through what we say. I have to say certain things if I'm going to be courageous. We, we find it through what we say, what I say to myself. There are words of courage I have to speak into myself. I have to remind myself of who I am in Christ. 
I used to play racquetball with a buddy named Harold. Sometimes when Harold would get down, he would say to him, said, wait a minute, this is me, Harold Locke. And he told me a story one time. He, he uh, was watching this boxer named Archie Moore. And Archie Moore was his famous boxer. Never, never got knocked down. Got knocked down, was laying on the mat. They thought the round was over. He got back up. He wound up beating the guy and winning the match. But after the match, they said, what were you thinking when you were lying on the canvas? He said, I was thinking, wait a minute, this is me, Archie Moore. And sometimes I need to remind myself, wait a minute, this is me, Bill Dye. I'm not going to stay on this canvas. But I also need to say things to Jesus. I need to say, God, I'm scared. I'm full of fear. I don't want to do this. Be my courage. I need you right now. There are things i got to say to God. And so there are things that we have to say. There are things we find it through what we know. I find courage from what I know from the past. Look at verse 5. Just as I've been with Moses, I'll be with you. And when he says that, Joshua was there, man. He saw what God had done with Moses. And so he's recalling the past. This is why we got to recall the past. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. we got to celebrate the victories. we got to lodge the victories. We need to journal the victories so that when we're in these positions, we can look back and reclaim what God has already done. And then I find courage and what I know of the truth. Look at verse 8 again. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it, to do all that's written in it, whether you want to do it or not, whether you're filled with courage or not, whether your life is full of fear or anxiety, whether you're struggling with what other people are going to think. I've got to have the truth in me because here's the thing. Truth is a powerful weapon against your fear. Because God says to do it, I just do it. You know, I talked to these old guys. I had a guy in my church that was in the 82nd Airborne, and he, he uh, was in D-Day, and he was in uh, Bastogne at the Battle of the Bulge, and they're riding in that airplane about to jump out. And I said, what are you thinking? And he said, all I'm thinking about is doing my duty. I said, were you scared? He said, we didn't have time to be scared. We were just focused on what we were told to do. And that's what we're called to do. And I find courage through what I know of His presence. Joshua 1.9, Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's His promise to you. You're not doing this alone. God's walking right there with you. When Jesus gave them the great commission in Acts uh, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching, all that stuff. And at the very end, he said, and lo, I'm with you always. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he said, for he's not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And he's with you. Right now, some of you are afraid. And you know there's something that God's calling you to. And you don't know if you can do it. And God is with you. You're not doing it alone. So how does this apply? Let me wrap this up. Sometimes being strong and courageous means living one more day. I talk to people where the hurts are so deep and the deception is so strong that they can begin to believe that life would be better without them. And I say to them, hey, you got to have the courage to live one more day. Really, I say you got to have the courage to live five more minutes. And then those five minutes turn into 30 minutes, and those 30 minutes turn into an hour, and then those hours will turn into a day. And sometimes when we're so low and we're so broken and our mind is so full of darkness, we've got to have the courage, and it takes courage just to live five more minutes. 
And those of you that have been in that place, you know what I'm talking about right now. Sometimes strong and courageous means standing alone. It takes courage not to follow the crowd into sin and deception. Look, we're herd animals. What's the Bible call us? Sheep. What do sheep do? I'll tell you what sheep do. Sheep do what the other sheep do. So if all the sheep run off a cliff, it's hard as a sheep not to follow them off that cliff. And courage at times means to move against the flow of culture and to stand alone. Even when that puts you outside of the, of the realm of popularity or acceptance. And we need more believers who will stand alone. Sometimes strong and courageous means to do the thing that God calls you to do. He's called you to surrender. He's calling you to follow Him. And you got to be courageous enough to say, you know what? I look in my past, He's taking care of me. I look in His Word and His truth is clear. And I look at His Word and He promises His presence. I can do this. And I'm going to follow Him. And one last thing, sometimes strong and courageous means to speak truth into someone's life. Man, this is hard. Because I want you to like me. And I I don't want you to reject me. And I don't want you to think badly of me. But there's some stuff in your life maybe you're not even aware of, or maybe you don't realize that Jesus can take care of that. And I need to have the courage to speak that truth into you. What's the Bible say? Speaking truth and love to one another. And it's always buffered with love. But there comes a time where we have to speak that truth into people's lives. And it's one of the hardest things to speak truth. But you know, God is with you. And His truth is with you. And His past has proven it. And you can do this. You can do this. God wants His people to be courageous. You won't be fearless. You can be courageous. And you can act on faith despite your fears. I think that would be such a great affirmation of faith today, wouldn't you? If we just went before the Lord and we said, God, I purpose to act on faith, not fear. Make me courageous. Can we do that together? Let's do that. Let's just pray and let's let that be our affirmation of faith today. Heavenly Father, we need courage. We need courage for every phase of our our Christian walk and, and we need it from you. So God, in this moment, give us what we don't have. Father, there are some people right now that are struggling to make it five more minutes. Give them the courage to keep living. Father, there are people whose minds are are controlled and consumed by the opinions of other people. Give them the courage to stand alone. Father, we, we need the courage to be transparent before you, to admit our sins to one another. We need the courage to be able to to do those things that you call us to and to speak that word that you call us to speak. So give us courage, Father. We need it more than anything right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.